Rather embarrassing, isn't it, to run out of a room like that? I know. Who said yes? Thank you, Liz. <laughs> you know who's saying yes it is? The one who asked me if I had been putting on any weight. Since, uh, <laughs> since I'd taken the steroids, I liked Andy's best. That's the way to make a departure. That's the way to leave a room. <laughs> yeah, that's how I prefer to think about it. Um, okay. So pressed down, shaken, overflowing, dying to self, the compressing and shaking out of all the stuff that holds us back. That's what this is about this, this weekend. It's about recognizing all the stuff that holds us back from being the channel of the wonderful oil of his spirit who fills us up to overflowing and, and who wants to overflow through us out into the world. And, but again, even in the overflowing, we have to be clear, it's the oil of the spirit that overflows. It's all of him and none of us. You know, and we've got to be careful that uh, we keep our eyes continually on him um, because otherwise we can start to think that it depends on us, that it's about us because that's our human thinking as we've said so many times. It's all about me. And we do that even when we think about how we serve the Lord and how he works through us. It starts to become, oh, I better make sure I do this and I better do that and I better do the other thing and it ends up being about us rather than about him. So... Who is this God who's been to the press before us, really? Because it's Jesus who went there before us, and he's calling us to follow him, to follow him. And um, what is the character that we expect to see as we follow his footsteps um, and die to ourselves every day and see his overflowing through our lives? What would we expect to see? What, what was Jesus like? Humble, gracious, yeah, yeah, caring for others, yeah, yeah. Oh, can we get a bit more ordinary? <coughs> he was a man among men. He was just—he was a man, and he laughed, and he—he—he—he he, he, he had a drink, a glass of wine, and he went to parties and weddings. And he sat around with his disciples and they chewed the fat. Hey? <coughs> he had the... Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Think about Jesus that way because he was so much a man that his own people didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him. So... There's two things that are going on at the same time. He is the Son of God in human flesh, but he is so good at the human flesh that they don't recognize him for who he is. And that must be because he looked like them and he talked like them and he laughed like them and he played like them and he, he was like them. And I suppose that's really um, where we have to get to in our life. We live... In, we are the new creation, but we live on the old planet. And you can't witness to people who won't want to get near you. Do you know what I mean? You can't be talking to people about Jesus when they don't even want to listen to your voice or they don't want to be around you because you look weird and you sound weird and you do weird things, you know. I mean, let's face it, Christians are like that, aren't they? 
They used to wear sandals and have hairy legs. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm talking about the women, not the men. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean. You know, we have to look, we have to find a way to live in the culture that we're in, but to live for Christ in it. And so we have to be a witness, but uh, to be the type of witness Christ was. Because whilst the majority of people didn't recognize him, there were a few who came to him and on whom he built his church and who would then take the gospel out into their world and start a worldwide church that is still growing. I want to be a part of that group. I want to be a person who people think, oh, you know, she's pretty fun. I'm sure they don't, but, you know, they don't know me yet. But um, I want to be someone who is approachable, who knows what it's like to live in this world, who reads the newspaper, who knows what's going on in the world, who, who you know, understands. There's no point in, in um, drawing yourself away and living in a little huddle of Christians because you'll start to live like Jehovah's Witnesses. You'll start to look like the Mormons or as if you're part of a cult. Jesus was a man among men. He lived, yeah, go ahead. I think for most of them it was for what they could get. Because as soon as he started saying hard stuff, chapter 6 of John's Gospel is an amazing Gospel because in, that, in John 6 he'll tell them he's the bread of life. He'll walk on water to get to the disciples. And then at the end of the chapter he'll tell them, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And they couldn't understand it and they didn't want it. And it says at the end of that chapter that many of his disciples walked away from him because it was too hard for them. So I definitely think they were there for, for the, what, what he was going to give them. But I suppose what I'm saying is his claim to be the son of God was heard with kind of disbelief because they didn't think God was like him. They couldn't imagine God being like him. And that's really our um, challenge, isn't it? Um, how do we walk on this planet in a way that honors God, but at the same, so in a way that is different to people who don't know God, yet at the same time be a person who draws other people towards us and towards the truth? And that's our challenge, and that's a big challenge. Um, Jesus walked <coughs> on the planet, he was God on the planet and he unveiled God to people and he lived a holy humble life but at the same time he lived like a human being so it's possible to live a holy humble life as a human being with his spirit within us and that's where we're going that's where we should be going that's where we're trying to go what we're trying to do is to live the life of Christ in the mud
in the mud, in the place where people won't expect to see him. Um, John says in John chapter 1, verse 14, he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, so you say you want to follow Christ, you want to be like Christ. What will that end up being? Full of grace and truth. You will be full of grace and truth. Because he was full of grace and truth. (coughs) And if you are full of grace and truth, you will um, live the life that manifests his glory. His glory. So how are you going to get there? How are you going to live a life that's full of grace and truth? What are you going to do? Yeah, ask him to help you. You have to read the word. You have to read the word. You have to hear the word. You have to understand the word. You have to receive the word. Yeah, well, we've been talking about that for all day. That the way that he lived the life was that he submitted his will constantly to his father. So now we're surrendering our life to him or to the father. (coughs) But I suppose what I'm thinking about is that godliness in human flesh lived a Jesus kind of life. You know, we we have godliness in human flesh because we have the Holy Spirit within us. So we are supposed to be living a Jesus kind of life. Um... Holiness is being different, isn't it? It's not, it's, well, sorry, it's not being different. It's not being strange. It's being the same kind of loving person that Jesus was. And how did he express his loving kindness and his compassion? And where did he express it? How did he express it? <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Everywhere, everywhere. He expressed his holiness everywhere he went. Now that's no different for you and me. We don't have to go somewhere to be holy. We can be holy here. Um, I'm looking at Alison. She works in a school, right in a high school. Commiserate with her later. (laughs) Um, She can be holy in her school. She doesn't have to go somewhere else to be holy. She is to be holy in her school. Where, I don't know where you work all of you or where you don't work or where you go, but that's where the holiness of, of God is to, supposed to be shown in your life. Um, and how will holiness be shown? How was Christ's holiness shown? Yeah. Yeah. Give me a word that covers it all. How was Christ's holiness shown? That's good, but it's not quite there, Muriel. Give me. Uh, uh, Muriel said uh, humility, but but what is 
holiness. What's the holiness of God? What does it look like? Yeah, that's true, but what does it look like? When Jesus came to the planet, what did his holiness look like? I'm going to tell you because you're not going to get there. It looked like love. It looked like love. <laughs> hey? Yeah, oh, did you? <coughs> yeah, yeah, I know, see? It looked like love. It looked like love. What does Jesus say to his disciples in John 13? He says, all men will know you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. That's what holiness is in human form. It's, it's love. But it's not the sort of love that we bandy about. And it's, it's God's love. And what is God's love? <coughs> As Christ expressed it, what is it? What does it look like? Servanthood. It looks like servanthood. It looks like valuing everybody else above yourself. It looks like valuing God above yourself. It, sorry, Rosemary. Yeah, it looks like doing whatever is necessary to do the best for that person. That's what it looks like. That's what he's calling us to. That's what holiness is. That's what being totally other, being like God is. It's doing the things that only God can do or allowing him to do them through you. First uh, John 4, verse um, 7, 2, verse 16. Could you read that, Alison? First John 4, 7 to 16. <coughs> Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the saviour of the world. To 16. 16. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Thank you. How will your surrendered life be manifested? In love. That's the crucified life. It's the life of love. God's love. So when you're trying to figure out, how do I do it? How do I manage to live this surrendered life? What will it look like when I do? What's the answer that comes back? It's going to come back. It's going to look like love. And John, uh, Paul says in Romans 5, doesn't he, that and hope does not disappoint, for his love is poured out in us through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. <coughs> That's what we're being called into. We're being called into this river of love that God is. And he's asking us to be part of that, to, to make ourselves part of that, to make that the the whole, um, the reason for our um, living, for the, the reason for our being on the planet. 
And it's immeasurable, his thought of love. How could you measure God's love? You couldn't. It's immeasurable. It's immense. You cannot measure that love. And God is calling us into it. (coughs) Not just into it for ourselves, but into it so that we can push it out one to another. Alison, could you read Isaiah 40, 21 to 31, please? (coughs) Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me, that I would be his equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting (coughs) God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. (coughs) Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Thank you. This is the God who's pressing you. This is the God who's shaking you. This is the God who will overflow through you. It's this God, this infinite, immeasurable God who flung stars into space, who owns eternity. It's that God who's pressing you. That God who's shaking you. That God who's saying, go along with my work in you and I will be more than you can even imagine. I will be more than you could ever desire. That our whole world is like a grain of sand. Our universe is like a grain of sand in comparison to this this that God has done. And this is the God who's saying, will you give me your life so that I can give you back a life that is more glorious, that is so full of love and so full of light that you won't be able to stop living and witnessing for me. And our problem is, we don't believe it. Look at what he says at the end of these verses. Do you not know, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. I will be more than you need. I will be the energy that you need when you have none. 
I will be the legs that you don't have when you need to run. And you will never tire of what I will do for you. I will lift you up on eagles' wings and you will fly with me. His promise to us is all of this. That's his promise. His promise is rest. Will you just step into my rest? His promise is strength and power. This God, the same God that calls you to pick up your cross every day, deny yourself and follow me, will give you back a self more glorious than you have ever seen. A new self one that's been pressed down and shaken up and is able to be poured out, now overflowing with all that you long to overflow with. If you hear my words and you don't want that overflowing, go home, what are you doing here? Really, if there's not anything in you that says, I want that, I want that. I want that overflowing. I don't have it, but oh, I want it. God is promising you, will you let me press you? Will you let me shake you up? Will you believe that I will pour out through you, that you will live a life that will witness to me in places and to people that you haven't even met or been to yet? This God, this God promises you healing and cleansing and holiness and grace and love and forgiveness and mercy and all the things that you want. And he wants you to believe that they're there for you. <coughs> to believe that he will do it for you. <coughs> Write your name on Isaiah 40 or wherever it was, Isaiah 40, <coughs> 28 to 31. Write your name. He gives strength to me. And to me who lack might, he increases power. Though Anne grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, Yet I who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. Write your name on the pages of scripture. This is for you. Um, this is not the final session. The final session is tomorrow. But I want to end t this session today with um, Psalm 103. You have it printed out in your in your book. Because we do too much reading of scripture and it's always about somebody else. It's about someone else. So I'd like you to take Psalm 103 and spend 10 minutes, 15 minutes and uh, read through it. This psalm is clear 
Our God is to be understood as a God who longs for us, who longs for us, who draws near to us, who is eager to forgive, who is filled with compassion, continues always to love those who have turned to rely on him. You've got a copy. Now, I think, as I say, spend, you can do, do it uh, with two or three of you together or on your own, whichever you want. Go through the psalm and underline the phrases that tell us what God is like. What God is like. And then take one of those things, that, and the one that you appreciate the most, the one that moves you to praise. And then after you've done that, in about 10 minutes, I'll go around the room and anyone who wants to share, you don't have to, but if you want to share why you've picked what you've picked, it will be an opportunity to do that. So, maybe 10 minutes. Just go through the psalm, underline the phrases that describe God and the one quality that you appreciate the most.
so. How are you doing? This is David's song to God. It's David's song to God because of who God is to David. That's who it is. And um, just as I said in Isaiah 40 or 41, put your name on those verses, put your name on this psalm. Put your name on this psalm. And uh, I said to underline all the things that, of the phrases that tell us what God's like and if you'd like to share the quality that you appreciate the most and why you appreciate it, now's your time. <coughs> Compassionate and gracious. Mm. Mm. Did you hear Muriel at the back? The Lord is compassionate and gracious. She appreciates the most because that the most because it's something we don't deserve, but we get it the most. <coughs> Thank you, Muriel. Loving kindness, and I think if with loving kindness as one of the most important things in our life, we'll become more and more like Christ. I hope we will. Thank you. Written in the Bible, I just feel a warmth. As you said, it's just contained what he is, his loving kindness to us, mm. sums everything up. Mm. So it's a very special word to me. Mm. Thank you. Mm. <coughs> I like the fact that um, it says he doesn't deal with us according to our sins. I'm simple. Just to go back to the loving kindness, um, what I really loved about, out of everything is it's all wonderful. In, in one of the verses, it says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, mm. so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. And another verse, but the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him. Yeah. It's the sheer extent. Because yeah. one is as high as the heavens are above the earth. And that's immeasurable. Yeah. And the other is from everlasting to everlasting, so mm. there's no limit in the mm. time. Mm. It's forever. I mm. think that's just awesome, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> mm. uh, the one that strikes me is the redeems you, your life from the pit. And to me, that's the lowest place I would be, and the Lord would be there in that deep place, just for me. And that's wonderful. Thank you, John. Uh, <coughs> for me, it would be, um, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Mm -hmm. Just to know there's nothing that happens by chance. Mm -hmm. He's sovereign. 
and he knows when we lose a loved one or what's going to happen, and then I can trust him through mm. it. Mm. Thank you. I think some at the front here, Rosie. going to reiterate um, the one about redeems your life from the pit at the very lowest point mm. when I was at my very worst Christ died for me mm. yeah. and that mm. says it all mm. <laughs> um, for me the mention of um, covenant the fact that he's a covenant keeping God and I think in these days when people so easily break their vows and covenants to us um, the fact that he is faithful and true, he's honest, um, he won't let us down, he won't betray us, but more than that, he cannot let us down. He's made this covenant with us. And I was just looking at the number of times that covenant is mentioned in the Bible, and it's innumerable, really, mm. that he is such a covenant-keeping God, mm. keeps me going with him. Mm. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, I have. Sue, there, please, oh. Rosie. <coughs> um, I really like the promise and his righteousness to children's children, mm -hmm. that our, our family, our, our children and their children, that God's promise is to move in our families and through them, and that, that we can trust him in that. Mm -hmm. And the verse that I Yeah, but the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. And I just thank God that his righteousness goes to my children and my grandchildren <coughs> who I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> Anyone else? Chris has just um, reiterated what Vicky said that he's sovereign in the days that we live it's important to know that yeah I do agree that the redeeming from the pit and I think where is a pit of our own making or it's a pit someone has thrown us in very willfully or accidentally we all basically are in the pit in some form or another, until the Lord comes and rescues us out from that pit. Now, a pit may even look beautiful, don't forget. We may have decorated it so to the point that we are very comfortable in it. Absolutely wonderful, our, our lovely chairs and everything else. Nevertheless, it's a pit. And then the next line is this promise He crowns us yeah. with loving kindness and compassion. You see, God, that is what he promises. So once he has taken us out of the pit, he has crowned us. Two crowns, loving kindness and compassion. The next thing is, what am I going to do with these crowns? Am I going to take them off because I don't like these crowns and I prefer someone else's crown? Or will I wear <coughs> them and really let them allow them to be a blessing because I can wear them and someone else can then admire them. Oh, you have a lovely crown, that's so very nice. <coughs> well, in fact, they are to be a blessing to others. And that's what I wanted to say. Thank you, Rose. Anyone else? 
I just wanted to say that when we read that psalm, which is full of all the amazing things which show us the love and the character of God, it just struck me that that God, that amazing, incredible, our sovereign God, his spirit is within us, mm. and therefore all that is, is available to us. Mm. We don't deserve it, and yet he chooses, because he loves us that much, mm. to mm. give us his spirit. So we can, we can do it through him. Mm. Thank you. Thank you all. And now what I want you to do, I'm going to read verse 20 to 22, because all of the things that got David knew about God provoked a response in him. And um, 20 to 22, bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So I wanted if we could go around the room in praise, i.e. bless, God for who he is. Just praise him for who he is. You don't have to do that if you don't want to speak out. That's okay. But, um, you know, I, I, I really think that as we put ourselves into these songs or as we see God speaking to us in these songs, he is expecting a response from us. And, um, yeah, so... Um, I'd like to go around the room and I'd like us to praise God as a individually and corporately to praise God for who he is and for what he has done. Because can you really fathom this God? This God who is, who's holding on to that that he loves, who keeps us and watches over us so that we don't fall apart, who takes us up out of whatever pit we get into, who crowns us, who fills us with his spirit, who protects us, who, who um, showers his loving kindness on us. Can you fathom this God? It's immeasurable, his love. And that's the God who's calling you. That's the God who's calling you. Come closer, come closer. Surrender your life to me. Now, read this psalm and see who he is and then come back to him and say, I want to go your way. I will go your way because I will believe that this is true, that you haven't dealt with me according to my sins. You haven't rewarded me according to my iniquities. That just as a father has compassion on his children, so you have compassion on me that your loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting and your righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant, that you have established a throne in the heavens and your sovereignty rules over all. Will you praise God for it? Just praise him for the truth of who he is. And the reason you'll praise him is because you believe that this is true for you. It's true for you. So I don't care in which way we do it. 
I just want us to bless the Lord. The last line of this, or the first line is, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. <coughs> and the last line is, bless the Lord, O my soul. So can we just bless the Lord, praise the Lord? Just, you know, shout out. We won't have the microphone. Just shout out your praise. Yeah, this good God that we've been singing about and blessing and praising is here. He's not absent. He is here and he is now and he is listening. He is listening. And he knows your heart. And he knows your pain. And he knows the difficulty. And he knows the hurt. He sees right into your soul. And he cares and he loves, and he longs for you to come. He longs for you to come to him. He longs far more than we'll ever know. He wants you to come to him. He longs for you to come closer to the place that he's calling to you to. Will you surrender to him? That's the question. Will you pick up your cross daily, deny yourself and follow Christ with all that that will entail? Will you do it? Because you believe that it will be, he will take you into his rest. This is what we came for. Well, I don't know if you knew what you came for. <laughs> but this is what I came for. This is what I, be, you know, I began with an olive press. I had no idea that this is where we'd go when I began. But I know that God has called me here. And he, we're here because we want to run after God, don't we? We want to run after God. We don't do a good job of it half the time, but we want to do it. And we want to do it because we believe that he has run hard after us. You've just praised him for all the things that he's done, none of which he had to do. He's done them simply because that is who he is. So... We don't have time because I can hear voices outside and I suspect. But honestly, I would, <coughs> I would encourage you to open up your Bible sometime this evening to sit alone with God and to really cry out to him. Thank you, Lord, for you are worthy. You are worthy of so much more than I am and so much more that I could ever give you. Help me to do what you're calling me to do. Press me down, shake me up, and pour me out. Father, thank you that... Um, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you take us beyond ourselves. 
that you show us things inside us we didn't always imagine were there. And Thank you, Lord, that you stir us up. That we can even say, even if just for a moment, press me down and shake me up. That we could even say those words and mean them, if only for this moment. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for what you do. I thank you for what you will do. I ask you to carry on in my life and in the lives of those people who are here. I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. I thank you that you kept us awake all day, that you kept us here, that we ended by praising you. And I ask, Lord God, that you be pleased with that praise and that you give us a great time of fellowship this evening because we understand that we are in the presence of a God who loves, who loves, who is love and who will enable us to fully lay hold of that love as we surrender to him. So I praise you, Lord, for... I praise you for your promises. I praise you for your word to us. And I thank you that we can stand on that word and depend on it. And that whatever may be coming next, you will see us through with joy and glory. So we thank you, Lord, and we praise you, and we want to say we love you, Jesus. Amen.